This is Ari Koretsky and welcome to Jews You Should Know, introducing the broader community to interesting and inspiring Jewish men and women making a difference in our world. Some are already famous, some not yet so, but each is a Jew you should know. We are back with another fabulous episode of Jews You Should Know. This week, Yehuda Kahalani, a Tanzanian Jew activist, really unusual and fascinating person. More on him in a minute, but first, two announcements, very important. First of all, another sponsorship this week by kosherwine.com. I'm sure everyone is scrambling to get their Passover needs. Wine, of course, is a central part of that equation. Kosherwine.com has you covered. And for Jews You Should Know listeners, your first order includes a $25 wine voucher, $25 off your first order. Simply visit kosherwine.com slash Jews You Should Know. Kosherwine.com slash Jews You Should Know. Meanwhile, more of a public service announcement. Of course, we're all here in end of March 2020. We're all going through this coronavirus, this COVID-19 process together, and it's, it's brought the world together in many ways. It's brought out some fascinating lessons for all of us, and this is not the place to sermonize about those. But just to do my part to contribute to the public health effort, a friend of mine, Dr. Dan Grove, is a physician in Baltimore. He's an ICU doc, and he himself recently tested positive for COVID-19. And he started a blog where he is chronicling his own journey and trying to put out honest and balanced information about this pandemic. If you go to mycovidjourney.com, you can read about his situation and also about all the wonderful information he's putting out there for the public to digest in a comprehensible way for the average lay person. So mycovidjourney.com, take a look there. As always, please subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, any podcast application. Please also tell your friends about us and help them learn how to subscribe as well. You can follow us on social media at Jews You Should Know, spelled out fully on Facebook and Instagram, at Jews You Should Know with the letter U on Twitter. Reach out with comments and suggestions at JewsYouShouldKnow at gmail.com. And let's get ready to meet our guest, Yehuda Kahalani, as I mentioned, is a Tanzanian Jew, lives in the city of Arusha. I first heard about him reading Mishpacha magazine. There's a column there, Travels by Ari and Ari, two intrepid travelers. By the way, I'd love to interview them as well, if anyone has a connection to them. And they visit exotic Jewish communities all over the world. And this was one of the ones featured recently. I reached out to Yehuda, who is the representative and sort of the leader of this community. And it's a wonderful story. You do need to listen carefully because uh, the English is not amazing and the internet connection is also not incredible, but the person is both amazing and incredible. And so it's worth stretching to hear him closely and to understand what he's sharing because it's a beautiful message and an inspiring story. And so with that, we go to our conversation with Tanzanian Jew Yehuda Kalani. We are here from Tanzania with attorney Yehuda Kahalani. How are you, Yehuda? Baruch Hashem, I'm doing good, I'm well, and uh, the life here is, is good, it's fine. Now you're in the city of Arusha? Yes, I am in the city of Arusha. Arusha is uh, northern Tanzania, is the third largest city. It's not the kind of the cities you like, but it is the junction of main tourist area, yes. Yehuda, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Obviously, it's different than uh, many people's upbringing who, uh, you know, who were raised in New York or Jerusalem. So tell us a little bit about 
how you grew up and, and what your early life was like? Uh, my earlier life, uh, I might say it was uh, when I was a child, I could not distinguish, I could not know that uh, we are actually a minority tribe, I might say, that uh, is different from all the surrounding. Uh, but as I grew up in 1970s, uh, I experience a lot of things that are different from others, my surrounding. For example, a lot of food that others eat that I don't eat. I don't eat from my neighbors, very close neighbor from my parents. I don't eat anything that is not slaughtered either by my father or my brothers. And uh, the three times uh, praying, which prayers, which later on I learned that is Shaharit, uh, Miancha, and um, Arvit. And um, a lot of names. As I grew up, then I discovered that a lot of people don't also like us. Uh, sometimes I was wearing seat. And uh, people said that I'm a witch, and uh, <laughs> and uh, that's also worried me a lot. And uh, also the Yemenite traditional kippahs that uh, look uh, there's a lot of people think that look weird, but uh, then we persisted. And um, also in school, I was kicked out of the school, the first school I went simply because when I was growing up, my grandfather taught us that Ezra, Ezra in the Megla Ezra, cast the Tehaman, uh, they cast the Jews of Yemen. So we don't read that book. And when I joined uh, the elementary school, one of the teacher's name was Ezra. Huh. And and then uh, when he came to the class, I walked out, uh, not knowing that he was not the same Ezra that my fa- my grandfather talked about. And uh, he, after three days of walking out, he was not happy, and he reported me to the principal. And I was asked, why uh, are you not attending classes whenever Ezra come to class? And he said, he cast us. And um, so they thought that I'm crazy. <laughs> Maybe my brain is not okay. And my father was summoned. And my father tried to explain, but then they say that then you guys, you are a very strange. You are very, very strange. So you should take out your son from the school or else he should be baptized so that he can be okay. and uh, then uh, we moved from that school and I even have to delay for one year from going to school incredible so briefly that how the life was so when you were younger did you consider yourself Jewish like what did you think that you were what was your identity yes Jewish but we were not using that name Jewish we were using the name Baladis Baladis or uh, the, the the other name that we really known uh, is Yehudi. All other as others people refer to as Mayahudi. So that is the name that um, we grew up knowing. What was the tradition that you had about where your people came from, your particular tribe, and and did you live as a, as a closed group of people? Yes, 1970s, a um, small group of people, particularly Yemenite, and there were some few also from Morocco. We know that uh, my, my, my grandparents came from a place called Mocha and Taizi in, 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 in Yemen. So, and um, I actually, even when I grew up, I tried to escape to go to Yemen. But uh, just after I went beyond the mountain in our village, I found that, I, which I thought it was Yemen, because I was told if I go to Yemen, I can walk to Israel. So when I walk, uh, escaping I, to 
beside the mountain, which is the second mountain in Tanzania, Mount Meru, I found that I just entered another region, which is still in Tanzania. So I found that actually Yemen is not there. So I came back. So we, we knew all the time that we were Yehudi, and particularly we used to use the name as uh, tribe of Baladis. Where did you have a tradition that your tribe came from? Like where did, when did people settle in Tanzania and, and where did you think that everyone came from? According to our grandparents, uh, we were told that uh, some Yemenites started coming down in uh, uh, 17 up to, seven, uh, up to 1880s, early 1880s, looking for shofar kudus, kudus horns to, to be sold in uh, Yemen, and also cloves in Zanzibar, and also other uh, spices. Some came via Kenya. Uh, through Ethiopia, and some came via Zanzibar, like my grandparent came via Zanzibar, and uh, in Arusha they found also some other Jews, uh, particularly the Arush family from Morocco, and <laughs> they settled. And uh, it was my grandparent who came with the Torah to, to, to Arusha, but yeah, I think the Yemenite Torah, if the, if the Moroccan had uh, also their own Torah, I don't know. But uh, they could not have lived here without having their own Torah. And was there a sense that your family came from a particular tribe of Israel? Was there a tradition that originally your ancestors were from a, a different tribe? Or, was they, or were these all just Yemenite and Moroccan Jews? Um, that ended up in Tanzania? We never actually, we never, uh, my parents never told me that we are coming from a particular tribe. What, what I know is my grandfather and my father, they are levies. And even the village that they used to live is still referred as levy now. Because uh, when they settled, they did, they had a lot of business and so, uh, he was revered as Levi because whenever he was asked, what is your name? Levi. So, <laughs> so, so the, the, the area was called Levi. So I don't know whether it was part of the certain tribes or only being Levi. That's all. We never counted that either we are from Benjamin or we are from Iskar or we are from Dan. No, we, we don't know exactly which tribe. <laughs> we are coming from. So, did you have any kind of Jewish education growing up? What was the uh, what was the situation when it came to education? Yes, it, uh, my grandfather was a teacher, and I remember the first times uh, when I was uh, just at the age of three. The age of three, we were um, meeting children at my grandfather's house, uh, surrounding, sitting down. I remember very well sitting down, uh, all of them listening to him. And uh, even sometimes bitter as if we don't claim what exactly he was saying. What would you learn with him? Uh, we learned a lot of the Torah. Uh, we learned... Um, Halakha, uh, we learned a lot of Jewish laws, particularly the first thing was, the first thing I remember is uh, not uh, eating meat and milk uh, at the same time, and uh, uh, you have to allow six to seven hours and um, actually he was calculating. So if we ate from the morning, we have to, to, to check uh, of our, uh, our shadow, to check the shadow. So until the shadow goes to the other side, is then you count that it might be six or seven hours. There's time to milk three to four hours, and uh, utensils have to be deepened into the rivers, new one, and uh, 
so many, uh, actually so many, so many things, not even to urinate under the tree because the tree you might be, you might use to rest and uh, also you might use to, to pray, to do minha while you are, you are, uh, you are uh, traveling, also respecting of uh, animals, not beating animals, and um, he used also to say, Lashonahara is worse than murder. That's what I remember always when he's, and he taught us all those. And so many things, even from my grandmother. My grandmother also used to teach us a lot of, um, a lot of tradition, and we always used to ask, but are all the people, other people around, doing exactly what we are doing. And he used to say, they are doing according to their tribes, and we are doing according to our tribes. And uh, so there were so many things that we learned from him. Did you have any connection with the outside Jewish world? Did, did anyone know about you, and did you know about any other communities? Now, I used only to hear that there were some communities in Zanzibar and Yemen and Israel. So, and my father used to, my father and my grandfather used to insist that if you go out of uh, Tanzania, when you grow up, you go to Yemen or Israel. Don't go anywhere else. Yemen or Israel or Morocco. Even my, my, my elder brother had to travel to Morocco to find a, a wife. So, but uh, there were a lot of people coming, Arabic, Arabic uh, look like, but I don't remember their name. Uh, I don't, uh, and I don't know where they are. But there were more, more, more Arabic look like, and with also Arabic because we used to wear also clothes that is very close, similar to like the Muslim, the the cassock that the Muslim wear. I have them. I still have them with me anyway. So was going to Israel a goal? Was that a dream early on? Before, yes. I told you I was to I was to go to Yemen. I was walking to Yemen and so that I can walk to Israel too. I walked for three days and got lost. And uh, my because I was very young, I was only... Uh, about uh, i was not even the 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 the, the age of uh, bar mitzvah but because i think they are radical <laughs> i don't know there are a lot of teaching that my grandfather taught us i told him my father particularly but why are you not in israel yourself he said he went to israel in in 1960s uh, i don't know how did he goes but um, he went, he, he was told to, he lived in a kibbutz. That is the first time I heard of kibbutz. Uh, and um, I did not know the kibbutz. I was thought it's a house. And he said on Shabbat, he, he was forced to work. And he never, <laughs> he never, he said, no, 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 no. So there was a problem and he was kicked out of that kibbutz. So he started also, uh, finding the way out and he did not find any Yemenite, he said. I don't know how he did not find Yemen in, in, in Israel. So he said, I came back so that I get to prepare to find if there's any Jews in Israel. I say, why are no Jews? Are those not Jews? Say, if they walk on Shabbat, then they are not Jews. <laughs> And I think also did not, he did not speak a, a, a good Hebrew as he used to speak Arabic. So what did you want to do with your life? What was your plan uh, growing up? Now you're an attorney. Did you have any idea early on you wanted to do something for the Jewish people? What was your, what was your plan and what did you start to do as you were growing into a teenager and, and beyond? 
I wanted very much to be like my grandfather because a lot of people were coming uh, to learn from my grandfather. He was also a medicine man. He was, uh, he was even, uh, he was like a judge, even to the Gentile. Whenever there was a problem, even I remember a lot of people from going come and hear settlement from him. So I wanted, first of all, to be like my grandfather, but secondly, I wanted to be a doctor. That is what uh, my a medicine doctor. That was my dream. Uh, even until now, uh, when I tell people that uh, I am a lawyer, who knows me? They say, "But your dream always is a do- being a doctor." <laughs> and um, uh, when I went to the university, Nairobi University, first of all, I was registered to for medicine. But uh, later on, because I could not produce a certificate from a missionary's uh, priest to show that either I'm Kenyans or not, to certify that I'm Kenyans and uh, I am Christian, then I, I had to leave. I had to leave the university. And then I went to study elsewhere and uh, I had to apply for law. The university only allowed Christians. Uh, no, if you are not, uh, you are you are not. For example, I was not Kenyan, but um, I don't have identification card. Then I need a letter from the priest, and I did not have one. So, how did you decide to study law? I decided to study law. First of all, uh, I was not happy for not allowed to. To, to, to do medicine. So I said, I, start, I have to study law so that I sue the government of Kenya. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. For, for, for not uh, allowed to study medicine. But uh, when I studied law and knows the truth, then I, I no longer, I, I decided not. And uh, also becoming more more learning from my father my brothers and and so on yeah, i became more interested also with jewish laws then i i, I saw there's no any opportunity of doing that and i say it is a shame plan to be a lawyer it wasn't a shame plan for me to be a, a medical doctor so when did you start to get more connected to the jewish people and um and when did you get to Israel for the first time? How did your whole Jewish identity evolve? Ah, uh, since 1984, actually, since 1984, I met an American, uh, an, an American lady I, uh, and her, her husband. I don't know. I, I really did not know that they were Jews and I never know that they were Jews in America and uh, so we met uh, it was somehow on Kilimanjaro as youngsters climbing uh, Mount Kilimanjaro and uh, when they wanted I shake I shake the man's hands and when she came to the lady, she brought the hand and said, I'm sorry, I can't shake the hand. I am religious. And say, what? What kind of religious that you don't shake hand? I say, I told her, it is very, very difficult to explain. <laughs> it is something that um, yeah, we, 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 we learned from our parents. So the husband said, okay, maybe... I know what you are talking about. Come aside. So they, we both walk aside and tell, they, they told me, please be free, just to tell us. Uh, and I told them, I am a baladi. And say, what is baladi? And say, don't, do you know a country called Teman? And say, no, 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 we don't know a country called Teman. <laughs> How about Yemen? Say yes, yeah, yes, we know Yama. So I say, yeah, I'm a baladi. What the other name? I say, I'm Yehudi. And the woman say, what? So they started uh, 
explained, and also she said, you see, I am Jewish. So, and the, the name Jewish is the same with what you, you are calling Yehudi. So, but we shake hands because we are not as religious as your parent and you are. And so, it was interesting and uh, it's the first time i met people who are very very devotion to me that they cried i never found people when i, I told the story they cried well then uh, we communicated by letters by then there was no internet there was no email maybe in the u.s might have been emails but there was no emails here so he used to write letters and we kept on moving from place to place so we lost the letters but in 2000 year 2000 the family that i think that family sent a family called uh, lily kaufman who is also, I think, from the Jewish agency, to look for me. And they really uh, came, if, if took time to find me. At the end, they found me. And from that time onward, they never disconnected from me. Actually, even they decided to support me somehow in education. But later on, uh, I came to realize uh, I never knew that they are they they are sect called reform. They are called conservative. They are uh, we only knew used to know that uh, there is only one Baladi and Baladi are Orthodox. That's all. So we did not know that there is so many others. So, so did you get at that point a chance to go into a a larger Jewish community to study to learn? No, 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 no. I, I, we, I was not really, really interested and uh, not, not interested. I wasn't motivated and I did not know that uh, uh, there were so much Jews in uh, uh, the U.S. probably or elsewhere. I thought Billy Kaufman, they might be maybe a hundred people in the U.S. or ten or and they, they have no maybe there is no any institution, learning institution like uh, Yashiva now, which we came to know later that there is Yashivas. And so we knew that uh, the, the, my father used to, 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 to say that name, but he said he's a Yeshiva himself, So we, my grandfather. So we said, so where are we? We, you don't have to go anywhere else. So we never joined uh, until I met Rabbi Landy. Uh, we were connected by Patina in Torah. Is and who is when, Rabbi, who is Rabbi Landy? Yeah, Ramahel, uh, Rabbi Landy is from uh, New Jersey. And what does he what does he do? How did how did you find him? Right, I was um, there were some yemenite people yemenite people uh, who came to visit us a lot of israel then started to visit us from 2005 2006 a lot of them from israel comes to visit us mostly not very religious and then they found extremely interesting to find us we are religious and and then one of them who made the aliyah from is from the u.s to israel told me there is an organization called patina in torah that if you are not interested uh, for now to immigrate to israel you can at least learn with that organization they will help you and they gave me the address so i contacted them and they were immediately after some some questioning and and then uh, they connected me with rabbi land and that was another interesting thing which i always learned some people i met some people and they asked me how did you become jewish and i said how i <laughs> i don't know so i had to come to ask my father how did i 
become Jews. And they say, I also asked my father. He said, I also asked my father. And probably is the, the most person, my father was a person who loved to joke. And who knows the laws, Jewish laws and Midrash. And he knows the old Torah by his head. The old, all the parshat, he always, every Shabbat, he said, today we are going to talk about this parsha, And he speak all of it. And so he said the only person that we can ask is Moshe Rabin, because <laughs> he's the only one who knows how did we become Jews. <laughs> no one, no one else knows. Or Abraham, if you ever meet Abraham, Avinu, ask. Those are the, the only who can ask and, and say, how did they become? And one point he said, if I had a capability of not becoming Jewish, I will not be a Jew because I have undergone a lot of problems for just that. But unfortunately, you can't also another tribes and another tribes not also cannot and that they are fitted to Judaism is also a surprise and it took me long time to be convinced that people can can convert and become Jews because we know that it is like a, a tribes that you are born your mother is Jewish and your father is Jewish then it is a tradition you are either Jewish you are not so did you get to go to Israel at some point Yes, I have been to Israel for about three times now. And I have a very wide connection with the Yemenite uh, community in Israel. Even my daughter, her mitzvah was done in Modin, Modin uh, Reut, last year. How do you get to Israel? Uh, the first times I... Um, I just went as a tourist. I did not want to raise so much uh, about uh, being Jewish because of my father he used to tell me, never ever prove to a human being that you are Jews. Only you have to prove to Hashem by keeping 613 mitzvah. So if, he said, if you prove to anybody that you are a Jewish, it's idolatry. So I said, uh, uh, I am going as a tourist. So uh, I applied, I applied just like any other tourist. But then uh, I wrote and uh, I decided to write that uh, who, uh, uh, I am Jewish. And somebody from the government who also wrote the letter, he wrote I'm Jewish <laughs> without even me knowing. So. But then I went just for a tour, and a lot of people saw me with a, a kippah, and they really helped me a lot. I, I turned, instead of going as a tourist, it turned like I went home. Because, what, uh, what was your first experience like there? How, how did it feel? It was so nice. It was so wonderful. And um, I felt at home. I felt like uh, I did not want to come back. Uh, and uh, also remembers my grandfather. That's why I was asking my father a lot of questions because my grandfather used to say, I don't have to go to Israel because I don't have to come back. I don't have to discourage other people to go away from Israel. So. It gave, it gave me hard time to come back, but I had to come back yet because also I don't have proof, I don't have documentation, <laughs> and I did not want to also to do the proof uh, because I, I also trusted so much that uh, if Hashem wants to settle in Israel, no objection. I will settle in Israel. If he, 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 Hashem want me to settle anywhere, the Ezra curse will have been ended. How does the Israeli government relate to you in terms of Judaism? 
I don't know. Uh, we never, actually, there was a time that I was invited to attend a certain course that by the government. Uh, it was uh, uh, sponsored by the Ministry of uh, International Affairs, Foreign Affairs. And it was mostly, mainly, mainly it was about defense, uh, security, how to defend yourself and the communities and so on. And through that, uh, I met also a, a lot of other people, but uh, I have never communicated with the government of Israel in the capacity of being Jewish. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I have been slow to do that. So what is Jewish life like now in where you are, in, in Tanzania and Arusha? Well, um, that's why now you can even interview me, is because the current government since 2015, when it came to power, the current president became very, very close to Israel and very, very pro-Israel, encourage a lot of Israelis to come to Tanzania and even open uh, a Tanzania embassy in, in Tel Aviv immediately. So we thought, okay, the time has come. And um, my grandfather used to tell us that there's two things, Moshia and Mashia. Moshia is uh, a savior like during the Pesach or during the Passover when the angel or the, the jump, the, the Hebrew and the firstborn were not killed and the Mashiach will come any time. So I say, okay, then the current president may be some kind of a Moshiach. He, he serves us to practice again freely. So uh, the life, the normal life from the government, we have no problem. From the Muslim around us, it's no problem. We, they are very good friend of us, and they actually refer us as cousin. They always come to our place, and we go to our place. Even recently, the Imam, the Muslim Imam was sick, and I also have to supply for medicine and food, and so we have a good relationship. The problem is the missionaries. Since we moved to a new area and bought where the synagogue used to be before our the the the, the old Beit Knesset. They have been always trying to convert us, and even telling people around that we are a certain group of people. I I don't know. They 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 call us Freemason. I don't know. There's a I don't know why they 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 think something like that but they say we are uh, a very strange religions <laughs> like uh, the cult and uh, during shabbat evening most of, most of the time the church that is nearby has to play loud music but then i i filed a matter in the court of law and when they saw that we are about to win the case, they decided we settle it peacefully and we signed a settlement and now they are friends with us. But they are still, most of them consider us as dangerous people. Last year, we had a signboard just to the main road to show where the Beit Knesset is, but it was destroyed. So we decided not to put another one. So how many people are part of this community now? Our religious could be about 30. From the originality, we know they might be even more because we have been following, we have been researching, and we have been discovering that there is a lot of them who decided to convert to Islam so that they can marry, they get a wife, but they still secretly practicing like one family that is still practicing by lighting candles. And that there's also one who contacted her that she want to come back. Yeah, so the, a lot of people, there's a lot of, like Rabbi, when Rabbi Ari said, a lot of people even normally don't know that they are Jews. 
a lot of them there in Tanzania who even don't know that they are Jews. And, uh, and uh, it is difficult because even those who used to be Jews, they are ashamed to be Jews. And uh, different from countries that we hear, a lot of people are becoming Jews who are not Jews. Here, no. Here, people are very ashamed to be Jewish. Huh. <laughs> yeah, so. Do you have a rabbi who you consult with who, who helps educate the community? Yes, Rabbi Landi. Rabbi Landi is the ones who mostly dedicated so much to the community for the last three years now. And we have also another young rabbi, Nathaniel, from Israel, whom I think he might be coming to base here for some few years. And uh, he is arranged by Commonwealth Jewish Council. What do you have in the community there? Do you have a mikvah? Do you have a Torah? Do you have a shrita? What do you have in terms of services? Yes, we have a Torah, we have Meglaresta, the mikvah, because of the calculation, we no longer remember the calculation, we did not uh, build it, instead we are using the nearby rivers, as just advised by the The other thing is, we follow the teaching of the Rambam strictly. And uh, it's something that has been transmitted to us from earlier age, and we have also the duty to teach our children. So we use the rivers mostly for immensing um, uh, uh, utensils, and also for um, making for women, for nida, and for all, all that. The only problem we have here is kosher and the sheita my sheita my, my my brother was used to be a mohel he was a sheita but he died and he also left i think he died in morocco and the, the knife and also the stone got missing in morocco so actually <laughs> like just some few uh, uh, some few minutes after the this uh, interview I will be going to meet some Israelis who have to have to come from Israel to bring us some meat. And yes, I know how to shaita, but uh, I am not confident. I'm scared of <laughs> cutting. Yes. What are you trying to do still for the community? What more can you can you do? Well, the problem with the community are not educated. Most most of them are not educated. They are are families before deciding not to take them to school by fearing they will be converted or uh, forced to eat unkosher foods because most of schools were uh, owned by Christians. So they are now coming up struggling for education so i mainly my mainly duties now is to have a yeshiva to have a study at some at if it's not not a, a big one at least a study center for the community that they can study jewish laws and they will be proud to be jews and uh, for those who would like to make aliyah, then it is their duty. I will not encourage them to make duty to decide that they are heritage by themselves. But at least my duty is for them to know all the laws were also taught by our parents. Do you consider yourself making aliyah sometime? Yes, I am not going to rule out, particularly I have three girls, just like Rabbi Akiva. <laughs> and and uh, I don't know where will they get the match. Here, it is quite a bit uh, challenging. So even if I am not uh, going to make earlier, I might work very hard even to buy probably a house in Israel so my children can settle there. And later on, 
I, I still have the duty to make earlier. Not yet, because the captain has to be the last to go. If I leave the rest here, then they will go back where they were before. What does your family do? What does your wife do? What are your children? How old are they and, and what do they do? Uh, my wife's work with an organization, uh, a non-governmental organization, an NGO. She's a director of an NGO helping the rural community, particularly the Maasai, Maasai people. Don't know whether you have had uh, tribes called Maasai who are mostly pastoralists. And so she helped for human rights basis, particularly land rights, water rights. Just is also part of showing people that we are not as what they think. They should have a positive mind that we never killed no one, as they they are saying we kill Yeshu. We, we we never kill no one, and we don't kill anybody. And we we help others people just uh, more than what they do. And uh, as myself, I'm a lawyer, and I also teach in the university's laws, and I do a lot of pro bonos than anybody any other laws around. I helped a lot of people for pro bono cases. Just also, and um, also that helped to send a message that we are actually very, very good people, different from what the media say and what other people say. My children are in uh, school. They, we were forced. We were forced to take them to an international school, a British uh, system, Cambridge, which is a cosmopolitan. It's very, very expensive, but that is the only option because they don't teach religious themselves. All other school teach, teach religious. So my firstborn, Ariella, she is in. Uh, year seven now secondary school uh, she's thir uh, 13 now last year was her bat mitzvah and uh, emuna the second one year four and alia probably a lot of people always tell me maybe you have last one is called alia because you'll make alia so she's in reception what are your immediate goals, Yehuda? What support can the broader Jewish world offer to you? Mainly, we lost a lot of our items, books. We have very few teclat. Now, we use mostly Sephardic books, which was not supposed to. Why? It's because a lot of people don't no longer read Hebrew or Arabic as used to. Before even the chanting, very few knows how to chant in a Yemenite tradition. Uh, so there's a lot of things that uh, the community needs. L like uh, during the holidays, there are some books that we have to share one book. Just one masor. If, if there are about 30 people and you share one, or you are going to be the one who is doing everything yourself, you really get tired sometimes. As we have other sidur, but uh, also scholarship for the children, uh, particularly Jewish Jewish education, will be most of the. That is the primary of all to on 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 my side. First of all, to know the, their heritage education, and the rest will follow. And uh, currently, the bait Knesset we are using is quite small, and it was only me and my wife who try our level best. Whatever we get, we build at it. And uh, it uh, accommodates quite few people. Sometimes during the rain times, we have to sit, uh, to sit outside during the holidays if there are a lot of uh, people even if it's raining or sunny, like sitting out of the hotel. So the Beit Knesset, it is another goal. Yeah, and for those who wish to go back to Israel, that is the last and the most important goal. 
if somebody wants to help the community, how can they reach out? How can they learn more and get in touch? As uh, there's so many ways, either through Rabbi Landy or through Rabbi Ari, Ari Greenspans who came to visit us. I think they, they, were, they are the one who wrote in uh, the magazine that you saw, Ari Greenspan, and uh, also for personal visiting. <laughs> we, we love it if our people come to visit and see by themselves that yeah the, the the poverty that in the community that uh, few of us have to use the little money we get to make sure that we help our people most of the time so you can reach to us directly there is also a trustee for the community and for participation and it's through emails which you have the email yeah and through you now and people can reach out through you. <laughs> yes, if anybody is interested listening, please uh, use you should know at gmail.com. Happy to connect you to Yehuda Kalani. Yehuda, thank you so, so much for sharing your story with us today. It's, it's really incredible to see the dedication of a community in uh, the other side of the world from me in Africa that with such amazing connection and passion for. Uh, for Judaism. It's, it's really inspiring. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Rabbi Ari. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, the name Ari uh, reminds me something. So thank you so much. <laughs> and, <laughs> and thank you so much. And Shavuato, uh, thank you for this, for taking your time to find us and talk to us. It is really a great pleasure. And uh, we don't even know how to thank you. Thank you so much. God bless I you. Really Thank you. Amen. Shavuot This has been Ari Koretsky on Jews You Should Know. Please visit us at JewsYouShouldKnow.com and subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume podcasts. Find us on social media at JewsYouShouldKnow. If you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. And you can do so by visiting patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash jews you should know finally if you have enjoyed this podcast please leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and introduce many more people to jews you should know